Welcome. Glad you guys are here tonight, even though it probably, um, for some of you, feels like midnight, how dark it is out there. I bet most of you hate it, don't you? Yes. I love it. I love it getting dark and cool and forcing everybody to be inside together. This is great. Good. So we can all share germs and get sick. This is awesome. Oh. <clears throat> well, um, a couple of announcements, I suppose, need to be made because there's just so much going on. Um, this Friday is the boys' bowling night. They're trying to get a head count on that. So if your boy's going, be sure to let Sam and Abby know. Um, there's a baby shower for Abby on Saturday at 11 here in the church building. So um, please come to that, ladies, and bless Abby. Um, this Sunday, there's a newcomer lunch for those who have started coming to our church this year. There's a newcomer lunch. We want to feed you and tell you a little bit about our church and give you some opportunity to ask questions and all that stuff. Um, Joseph and Daniela are moving on Saturday. What's the plan, Joseph? What are we doing? Uh, well, can I pick up a U-Haul truck, I guess? Friday night or Saturday? Uh, probably Saturday morning. Yeah. What time is the U-Haul place open? Okay. I don't know. I mean, we might have to go there really early, so. Okay. That was before COVID. <laughs> okay. Okay. What time should people, should guys show up to help move heavy things? Um, I'm still trying to figure out, like, I, it might be after 11. Okay. But, um, but yeah, like, if you could help, then. Just, <laughs> okay. Just, okay. Third hour 11. So we'll just <laughs> we'll look for a text. Look for a text from Joseph. That's what I'm hearing. You'll text us. Of course, yeah. Okay. All right. If you don't message me, I'll message you. Okay. All right. <laughs> Joseph, Melissa. Uh, that's too many things already. I've overwhelmed everybody. <clears throat> yeah, Thanksgiving's coming. That's all you need to know. Okay. Um, all right, well, how about I pray, and then we'll get into our study tonight. Hopefully, you all have a sheet, and we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you so much for this day you've given us and all the opportunities that we have to honor you. As we just sang about, it is our desire, our goal, to honor you in all that we do. God, help us tonight to do that as we look into your word and we see what it is that you've instructed us about demons in the Old Testament. Help us to understand more and more not just information on paper that we would understand more so that we would rightly live for you and be alert in the present evil age. God, help us to be discerning in our minds and to be full of faith, uh, to put on the armor of God, that we would have all that we need to be equipped for the spiritual battle that we live through each and every day. God, we ask your blessing on this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, would someone turn to Judges 9? There's one verse in Judges 9 I would like for us to look at together. Who can get that for us? Judges 9.23. Mike? Oh, Anna. No, 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 Anna. You're going to do it. Okay. Anna's going to get Judges 9. The rest of us turn to 1 Samuel 16 because we'll be there um, here shortly. Last week, <clears throat> that's 1 Samuel 16, the rest of us. Uh, last week we looked at the fall of Satan and demons. So we were in the Old Testament and the New Testament quite a bit, uh, transitioning from our extended section on angels. We talked about angels for several weeks. Then we've now begun to speak of Satan and demons specifically. 
And so last week was just the big idea, the overview of the fall of Satan and the demons with him. Now this week we're going to look at demons from the Old Testament. And next week we'll look at demons from the New Testament. New Testament. Very good. No, I was actually it's apocrypha. No. Oh, we're going to be <clears throat> we're going to do the New Testament next week, okay? So this week uh, we're really going to focus on what the Old Testament gives us as far as the activity of demons, okay? So as you see there at the top of your sheet that we've handed out, demons are complex beings who seek to influence for Satan. Now, I, I think we understand that second part easily enough. They seek to influence for their master, Satan. But that first part, I think we can maybe sometimes underestimate demons. They are very complex beings. They're not uh, simple to understand. And we, you'll see tonight, we get a lot of interesting information just from the Old Testament on these beings. And, and it's pretty confusing at times, but uh, we'll do our best to understand. They are evil spirits. They are evil spirits, okay? Um, that's how they're often referred to in the Old Testament. In fact, you don't see the word demon show up in the Old Testament too much. You, you see spirit show up more often than you see the word demon. But when we're, the Old Testament talks about evil spirits, it's talking about demons. Now this, of course, uh, the fact that they're spirits signifies that they're immaterial. And that's part of the definition that... I gave you for angels, that angels are immaterial spirit beings named and created by God, and they possess a spiritual condition. You guys recite that every night before you go to sleep. I know it, right? Uh, my definition I gave you for angels, they are immaterial. They're spirit. However, that does not mean that they are relegated to a realm that doesn't touch our material realm. So even though they're spirit, even though they're immaterial, that doesn't mean that they are totally separate in such a way that they can't interact and even touch our physical realm that we live in. The overwhelming testimony of Scripture is that they interact intimately with the material, even manifesting as material. Okay? So that's important to keep in mind. What's also important to keep in mind that we'll see in these first two passages is that they don't fall outside of God's control. Okay? God is often seen directing evil spirits. Now, for some people, that can just sound not right, because you kind of grow up with this image of the devil directs them, and that's true. But remember, the devil is the Lord's devil. The devil's not off of his leash. He's on a leash, and God holds the end of the leash. And the evil spirits are ultimately under God's control, too. It's kind of like the, uh, the image that some people have of hell or the lake of fire. That it's a place where God doesn't exist and the devil just reigns there. And he's having a fun time and he's you know, tormenting everybody else. That's not what the lake of fire is. God is present there. Remember, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And the wrath that's being poured out there is God's wrath. It's not Satan's wrath. Satan's going to be tormented in the lake of fire. Okay, so you kind of got to keep these things in perspective. And these first two passages we're going to look at direct our minds that way about how God is in control. So Judges 9.23, Anna, what does it say? Then God set an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Okay, so you've got these two groups of people. You've got Amalek and the, the Shechem group here. Well, God sends an evil spirit and stirs up this strife between them. God sent an evil spirit. 
hey, you've got to wrap your mind around that, okay? It's a lot to take in. But it's not the only place we see it. If you look at 1 Samuel 16 with me, hopefully you're there. 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse 14, we see the same sort of thing. It says, again, starting in verse 14, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants then said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. And Saul says, Obviously. Now verse 16, he says, uh, they go on to say, Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is a skillful player on the harp, and it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you, that he shall play the harp with his hand, and you will be well. Now verse 23, if you drop down to verse 23 in the same chapter, it tells us how that story goes. It came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. So this is, again, an evil spirit from God terrorizing Saul, except for when David plays the harp. Then the evil spirit leaves. And we already saw in an earlier study how when God needed... Uh, he didn't need anything, okay? I shouldn't phrase it that way. But when God was saying, who's going to go down and confuse the king? An evil spirit came and said, I'll lie to him. And God sent that evil spirit to go do his thing. Okay, so God is still in control. He's the one who's in control of all the evil spirits still. He's, they don't fall outside of his control. Thoughts, questions on that so far? Yeah, like, maybe it's an off-topic question. Okay. I'll let you know if it is. Okay. I So, in terms of, like, who the demons kind of are under rule, we all know they're under God's rule. Yes. Do they worship Satan, or do they worship just themselves? Do they mm. worship at all? Yeah. No, it's good. They, they worship Satan. They, they don't worship God. Okay? No, then that's not off topic. Good okay. job. Uh, they, they, they don't worship God. Um, Satan is the one they fell with, as we looked at last week, and they fell with him because he's their leader. And so uh, they made that choice, and uh, we'll see here in the second part of this study how they entice humans to do the same. Yeah. Good. Melissa? I just think it's interesting how Saul's servants see the sovereignty of God, and, mm -hmm. and they know it's the harmful spirit. They're not... Yeah. Yeah. Let's turn on the stereo or something. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think demons come from the stereo or come from music, and so it's like, well, what do you do with that? But uh, yeah, um, it is very interesting. They obviously had a high view of God, even though they weren't believers as they should have been. Perhaps. I mean, maybe they were, but uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I guess I couldn't make that judgment call. But they had a high view of God either way, and they understood um, that. Even evil spirits are under God's control. It's uh, not like the way we talk today. The way we talk today is so often like luck or chance or this just so happened. And this is, no, God, God did it. So. Okay. Um, now, the Old Testament does not speak of demons directly as much as it speaks of mysterious people groups that appear to be directly related to demons. Now, we're getting ready to focus on, as you see on your sheet, gigantic people groups, <laughs> okay? Um, but it's not just them. There are uh, magicians, sorcerers that are described in the Old Testament, 
and we'll look at some of those later on, who have their power from demons. And so even though the Old Testament doesn't get as direct as saying, here are the mechanics of what's going on with the demons behind the humans, there's still a very heavy implication and Psalm 106 kind of ties that all together for us. But before we go into uh, some of that stuff that we typically think of, like sorcery, let's focus on these gigantic people groups, starting with the uh, Nephilim here. Um, there's room for disagreement on these things, and uh, a lot of us just aren't even going to know what we believe, and that's okay. But let's go to Genesis 6 together to see the first instance of this in the Bible. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 is where we have the Nephilim brought up for the first time. And they only appear one other time in Scripture outside of this. But Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Who can read that for us? Who's got it? Got it. Thanks. It says, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Okay, so you have in uh, verse 4, basically, I mean, there's a little bit of it in verse 2 going on, but verse 4 sums it up. You have the sons of God getting with the daughters of men, having children together, and those children, the offspring, are the Nephilim. Okay? Um, now, the distinguishing mark of the Nephilim was their gigantic size. They were humongous people. Okay. In fact, in the uh, Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, it says for Nephilim here, it says giants. Okay. It just says, calls them giants. Uh, that will come out even more clearly in a later passage that we'll look at. Um, but basically, their distinguishing mark is that they're humongous people. The dispute in this, though, is who are the sons of God? Now, daughters of men seems pretty straightforward. It means, okay, women. Females who are the offspring of humans. Okay. Uh, sons of God, though, is an interesting phrase because um, it doesn't get used very often. In fact, uh, it, it actually is, is pretty significant when that term is used. We've already seen in Job where that term is used to speak of angels. Uh, when God is questioning Job and he's saying, you know, where were you when I created the earth and the sons of God rejoiced? Okay, so they were, the sons of God in that context were present at creation. So you can maybe start to see where this goes, where it's like, okay, if the sons of God are angelic beings, that means that they had sexual relations with daughters of men and produced offspring. And those offspring are giants. Interesting, okay? And there's kind of a scale on this. Uh, some people will say uh, sons of God and daughters of men, spiritual things, demons, not at all. Nothing to do with demons. It's talking about men and women. Boop, that's it. And they had gigantic kids. Okay. <clears throat> then you have this view, the direct offspring view, that's like, uh, no, the demons came down, they manifested themselves, and demons were somehow able to produce seed that would fertilize a human egg, and they had offspring. Okay. 
So you've got those two opposing views, and then you, it's kind of like a spectrum. You've got people that take up views in the middle that are like, well, um, no, there's got to be something else going on where it, it can't be just like purely human because these offspring are giants, and uh, that's weird, and uh, it's just different. Um, but also at the same time, I'm not comfortable saying this, that they're directly creating offspring, and so they find a place in the middle. So for instance, earlier today, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine about this passage, and he says, yeah, in, in that Genesis 6 passage, I see sons of God as demons, but I don't think they impregnated women. <laughs> well, that's what it says, you know, but that's just, that's his view. It's like, well, the demons were involved somehow. And that's, that's all he's comfortable saying. And, and I get it. That's a difficult passage to try to break down. But there are some people who will say, no, these Nephilim are direct offspring of demons with humans. And this primarily comes from different voices throughout, even before church history, if we go before Christ, during that what's called the second temple period of Judaism, this view started to be taught. The book of Enoch, you've probably heard of the book of Enoch. It's referenced in the book of Jude in the New Testament. In the book of Enoch, it says, go say to the watchers of heaven, that's the angels, go say to them, why have you left the high, holy, and eternal heaven and lain with women and become unclean with the daughters of men and taken wives for yourself and done as the sons of the earth and begotten giant sons? I've been hit. <laughs> so uh, Book of Enoch there is clearly teaching demons with human females having offspring directly and producing giants. And uh, so some people have taken that view and, and run with it there. So it could be that the sons of God were demons. It also could be that the sons of God were warrior men who were on the face of the earth at that time who were likely controlled by demons, evil warrior men. But either way, the Nephilim were their offspring. That's what's clear from this passage, the offspring or the Nephilim. And the only other reference we have to this is Numbers chapter 13, and we'll look at that here momentarily. So... Thoughts or questions on Nephilim stuff? Anna. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of struggling with that because while we were in our angel study and determining the difference between us and angels, yeah. one of them is that they could not reproduce. God did not yes. give them that whole yeah. thing. And then we've established angels are just fallen. I mean, demons are just yes. fallen angels. Right. So by that logicness. <laughs> Can't you say that demons cannot reproduce? Well, so there are basically two directions someone would have to go. Um, one would be as they can manifest themselves in physical form like we saw angels do with Abraham, right? Demons can manifest themselves and not just with, uh, you know, the outside, but um, a demon could manifest himself with, I'll just say seed, that's the biblical word, to impregnate a woman. Okay, so there's one take someone could, could have. Another view could be demons have the power to cause that to happen. Um, I don't know if I've seen anybody articulate such a view. We will see that demons do have power and that they're able to do supernatural things, and that could be one of the supernatural things they were allowed to do. I, I don't know. But um, you would have to go one of those directions there. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Why are you... So where are we getting at the demons? It just says sons of God. Because sons of God... the the term that you have there for sons of God 
comes up again in the book of Job in reference, clear reference to angels. So why is it demons instead of angels? Yeah, um, well, let's see. Um, that's a good question. Let me review the, uh, the passage here. So if you look at verse 3, for instance, um, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. So you have here in the context of what's going on in verses 1 through 4, God disapproving of what's going on in the face of the earth. And that's even punctuated by verse 5, where it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. The, the context that we're seeing here in the first four verses of Genesis 6 isn't good stuff going on. It's bad stuff going on. And angels cannot sin. Okay, so, um, so what, what's going on here is sinful. It leads right into the flood, right into the punishment that comes from God for this action. And so if, if you're going to say that the sons of God are angelic beings, you have to go demons. You can't say angels were doing a good deed here. That just wouldn't fit the context. Okay. Brandon. With, with Adam and Eve, you know, uh, were they, there was no procreation before this, the sin like the, uh, so there wasn't. What, were, they, right. were they able to before that or did it come after sin? Yeah, yeah, good. That's a very uh, appropriate question for Utah-based ministry out here because, uh, of course, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints says they had to sin in order to fulfill that command to procreate. Um, there's no reason why we would ever say that. The Bible does not present it that way. Um, in fact, it's really interesting when you examine what Latter-day Saints do to that passage. God says, don't eat of the fruit and procreate. The Latter-day Saints says they couldn't do both. They had to eat of the fruit so they could procreate. Now, we wouldn't do that. We would say, if God gave them a command. He gave them the ability to do it. If he expected them to obey, that means they could obey, right? Um, and there's nothing inherently sinful about sexual relations. So it's not like they had to plunge themselves into sin in order to be able to do that. So, I just want to go with, like the, yeah. with the fallen angels is because they had fallen in, into sin, right? If that mm -hmm. was why they were able to do No, gotcha, gotcha, no. Okay. No, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't make that connection, okay. no. Other thoughts or questions here at Genesis 6? Joseph? Well, just kind of going back to Hayden's comment, like, I would just say, like, just the fact that the angels, you know, had to, like, fall to, like, cause those really impregnated, I would say that they're, like, fallen angels, which to me is kind of like a synonym for a demon. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, this, um, th yeah, there's reference in the uh, New Testament in Jude, we've looked at this already, angels who left their proper abode is what it talks about. Um, uh, there will be several commentators who will tie that back to Genesis 6 and say what Jude's talking about, angels leaving their proper abode, is right here. So. Okay, Jim. I've heard some people teach that uh, the sons of God were the, were the children of Seth. I've heard that too. Because they were and, and, and the children, the daughters of men were the daughters of Cain. Hmm. They're those tribes. Yeah. My, there's, my other, there's other references in the Bible where yes. it says the sons of God are those who do the will of God. Yeah, um, they shall be called sons of God, right? That's in the, uh, the Beatitudes. Um, Adam is referred to as the son of God. Yeah, Luke, Luke's gospel. So in, in going back to that, you know, we did talk about the 
the importance of that title, Son of God, meaning it's a, the being is a direct creation of God. So that's why in Luke's genealogy, he goes back, you know, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so. And then there's Adam at the very start, who was the Son of God, a direct creation of God. Um, you have angels being called sons of God. They're direct creations of God. So to say sons of God here is someone who's not a direct creation of God in that sense might be a little bit of a stretch of the term. But I mean, no matter what, no matter what view you take, you're going to have some issues. They're trying to interpret this for sure. Also, the question I have is if it was demons, angels, what changed? Why was it a one-time deal? Well, apparently it wasn't a one-time deal, and we'll come back to that momentarily. Hey. I was just going to say that um, they were mad. Why would their offspring be giants? Yeah, right. If it's a purely human thing, how, why are the offspring crazy looking? Yeah. Okay, well, let's continue. Okay. Um, the Rephaim, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing these correctly, but Rephaim was what we're going to say. Now, this one's really interesting because these are, there are a couple of ways the Old Testament uses this word. In one sense, it's to reference spirits who are relegated to Sheol, spirits relegated to the grave. Another way, though, is it's speaking to people who are giants or speaking of people who are giants. So once again, we have gigantic people. And you have the term being used to talk about spirits and Sheol, but also being used to talk about these uh, giants. So let's start with the spirits and Sheol stuff. Um, someone want to get Proverbs 9, 13 to 18? Proverbs 9, 13 to 18. Mike, you got it. Greg, you want to get Proverbs 21, 16? And I, before you guys read those, I'm going to read to you Job 26, 5, because it comes up in Job also. In uh, Job 26, 5, it says, The departed spirits tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Departed spirits is the word Rephaim. So just boop, make a note. Ref, departed spirits, that word being used as departed spirits. Okay, Pro, uh, Proverbs 9, 13 to 18. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn and hear. Okay, so the foolish woman, her guests are the dead, those who are in the depths of Sheol. The word for dead, the dead, in verse 18 is the word that's tied directly to Rephaim. It's the same word. So, okay, we got departed spirits, we got dead, and then Proverbs 21, 16. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Okay, again, the dead, Rephaim. All right, so that's the first semantic group I want you to understand when it comes to this word. It's in reference to deadness, grave, okay? Now, there's also a people group that it refers to. <clears throat> so, uh, let's have someone grab 2 Samuel 21. I'll get the Deuteronomy 2 reference. Melissa, you got 2 Samuel 21, 18 to 22? I got it. 
Um, oh, Melissa got it. Oh, sorry. That's all right. You'll get the next one. And I'll, uh, I'll grab Deuteronomy 2. So here we have an interesting case where the translators of most of our Bibles, if not all of our Bibles, in these instances is going to translate the Hebrew word Rephaim as Rephaim. So before they were translating the word as departed spirits or dead. Now they're translating the word as a capital R, Rephaim, like a people group. Okay, so Deuteronomy 2, 19 to 21, it says, um, When you come opposite the sons of Ammon, do not harass them nor provoke them, for I will not give you any of the land of the sons of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot as a possession. Parentheses, verse 20, It is also regarded as the land of the Rephaim. For Rephaim formerly lived in it, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumim, a people as great, numerous, and as tall as the Anakim, we were getting ready to talk about. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place. All right, so here you have Rephaim being referenced, same word, as a people group. And then the same thing comes up in 2 Samuel 21, Melissa. Twenty-two, the end of it. Okay. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. And there was again war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand, Woo. six toes on each foot. He just came from the circus. <laughs> Twenty-four in number, and he was also descended from the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were descended from the giants in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. All right, so here. Rephaim is not translated Rephaim. Rephaim is translated three times in here as giants. So they're also giant people, apparently. You've got the guy with the staff like a weaver's beam and the dude with 24 fingers and toes and all that stuff going on. But they are Rephaim. They are giants. So you've got this earthly group that's similar, apparently, to the Nephilim. They're giant, weird-looking. And that word is also used to talk about the dead, the grave, the departed spirits, and Sheol. Okay, so this is why there's a connection here to the demonic realm, and it seems really indirect, but it doesn't seem purely human. Uh, we have something going on here that's making this group of people different from, you know, normal people like us. Rex. Yes. Goliath. Hey, whoa. There in 2 Samuel 21, we're reading about Gath. Where was Goliath from? Gath, yeah. We're coming up on uh, that passage here in just a moment. Yep. Very good. Very good. Other thoughts or questions? Is there like measurement on how tall these people are? Or do we just yeah. assume like no. they're Riley tall? You know, <laughs> yeah. Tall. yeah. They're just, they're just oh, tall. Yeah. yeah, they're just tall. There's basketball players. Yeah, that's right. It gives you some kind of indication when it talks about Goliath. Yeah. Size. But we don't get, uh, I don't think they use the imperial system, so I, I, we wouldn't be able yeah. to figure it out. You know. Okay, well, let's also talk about the Anakim, and then I'll stop again and ask uh, for thoughts, questions on that. 
We already saw them mentioned once in a passage, but let's all go to Numbers 13 together. Numbers chapter 13, a very famous passage, because this is when the spies turn into scaredy cats. The spies go and view the land. Numbers 13, and we'll look uh, starting at verse 28. Numbers 13, 28, it says... Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Okay, so Anak is the singular, a guy named Anak. The Anakim are his people. Amalek, verse 29, is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Now drop down to verse 32 with me. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Look at this. There also we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. All right. Where did we see about Nephilim, the only other place in Scripture? What book and chapter? Genesis 6. What happened between Genesis 6 and Numbers 13? A big event that happened right after Genesis 6. The flood. How many people, according to the narrative and according to Peter, a few people, how many were saved through the flood? Eight. Were any of them Nephilim? Okay. Okay, you guys got to figure that one out. <laughs> it's your assignment. Come back next week and tell me how this happened. Definitively. Okay? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy stuff. Now, there are different ways you can get there. If, if you want to go this side of the spectrum or this side of the spectrum, you can get there. Okay? There it is. Pretty curious stuff. Now, you also see these Anakim showing up again. You see the other references I have for you there. Um, Deuteronomy 2, I don't have that one there, but if you want to jot down Deuteronomy 2, 10 through 11, you can read about the Anakim there. That same passage where we were looking at the Rephaim, you see the Anakim. Same chapter anyway. But in Joshua, it comes up, Joshua chapter 11, 21 and 22, it says, Then Joshua came at that time and cut off the Anakim from the hill country. And there were no Anakim left in the land of the sons of Israel, only in Gaza and in Gath some remain. How about that for you, huh? Okay, um, Judges 1, 19 to 21 is another place where we see the Anakim mentioned. Judges chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, The Lord was with Judah, and they took possession of the hill country, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had iron chariots. Then they came to Hebron... Then, or then they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had promised, and he drove out from there the three sons of Anak. So they're mentioned again with Anak. So interesting stuff there in the Old Testament, but they were directly tied to the Nephilim in Numbers 13.33. They're called giants again. And so you got these three different types of people that seem connected, and they're connected to dead and spirits, and they've got 12 fingers and 12 toes, and there they are. Okay. Thoughts or questions on what's going on with those people? Because I have a lot. I imagine you have a lot. 
Yes, sir. Were they considered like wicked? I mean, I mean. Yeah. Yes. So from Genesis six on, they're considered wicked people, and then as Israel is formed, enemies of Israel that are to be driven out of the land. Yes. Yep. Anna. Well, that's a good question. Um, I would, you know, have to say, I mean, obviously, how you answer that question directly is going to tie back to this. Where do you fall on that scale? But I would say, even if you're on this side of the scale, you'd have to say yes, because a, a woman was involved. Um, so take, for instance, uh, our Lord, Jesus, uh, his human body. Did he bear the image of God in his human body, even though he had no earthly father? Yeah, he was a true human. So, yeah. Like, do they have mm. the definitive decision mm. to follow Jesus? Mm. If you can say from this point yeah. on, they're awful, I guess. <laughs> did, 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 they have the, um, did they have the obligation to believe so that their faith could be counted as righteousness like Abraham? I would say yes. I mean, I, I think it would be uh, get you in a world of hurt to say no. Yeah. yeah. Melissa? Uh -huh. Could it just be that the demons were possessing men who were taking women? Yep, that's totally uh, a viable view that some people hold. Yep, that they were like the sons of God were warrior men who were heavily influenced by demons to uh, participate in wickedness, mm -hmm. and they should not have taken these daughters as they did. And yeah. Right. Yeah. But then you go back as Hayden brought up earlier. Why were they crazy looking? <laughs> <laughs> well, we should know. We're second cousins. <laughs> Jackson is pretty tall. Now, wait a second. Yeah, I think we're on to something here, babe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at that time, yeah, that's true. They didn't have uh, the selection that we have today, right? Yeah. Mm hmm It's cracking me up because it's not funny, and it's but <laughs> it's, cracking, it's cracking me up because it's not funny. So everybody calls my husband a giant. No, he is. And my kids yeah. are much larger than me, and so they call my kids giants. And so this whole thing is just cracking me up. <laughs> How many toes do they have? Uh, ten, okay. Ten fingers, ten toes. Well, we're safe on that front. Yeah, but it's funny because it's just—it's the like this isn't funny, but oh my gosh, it's. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure sons of God and daughters of men is not talking about you and Curtis. No, so I think it's we're not. I think we're good. It's just funny. All right. <laughs> so okay. if these existed after the flood, which I don't even want to get into that, but do they exist to this day? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a valid question. I if they do, I don't know about them. They're right there. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that is a good question because to me, if someone was taking the direct offspring view, you'd almost have to say that what happened in Genesis 6 happened again after the flood, and that's how we got them again. And if it happened again after the flood, then it's like, well, why isn't it just, it should just keep happening then, right? So, yeah, that's a good question. Good question. Yes, sir. You was asking, what about Andre and the Giant? Yeah. Crazy big people? Big. Yeah. Big. Mm. People who are so big 
that they and they never quit growing, and that's what. Yeah. Yeah, I would put that in just a, a condition thing. This seems more of a a whole people group that kind was begetting kind within the Anakim. All the Anakim were like that. It wasn't a one-off. Okay, so there you go. There's some interesting stuff about Old Testament evil spirits, okay? Um, stuff that we can understand more of. Let's go to that, the bottom part of our lesson tonight. Demons lead people into evil practices as they equip them for those evil practices with power. They actually equip people with power. Now, if you remember 1 Corinthians 10 in the New Testament, you don't have to turn there. But in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is warning that church about going to the pagan temple and celebrating in their, uh, or worshiping with them in pagan temples. And he warns them of this because he says, I do not want you to become sharers in demons. Uh, he says a false god isn't anything. But there's a demon behind that false god. I mean, there's no such thing as a god besides the one true god. But there are demons behind them, and I don't want you to share in those demons. Well, he's saying that for good reason, because the Old Testament gives us a foundation of false gods and false worship is really demonic stuff. It's, it's tampering with the demonic realm. Or not tampering, it's playing with the demonic realm. So let's uh, look at these three passages together in Deuteronomy. Let's all turn to Deuteronomy, the fifth book of your Bible. Deuteronomy 17. And uh, let's take a look at three different passages that kind of give us insight here about what's going on. We see that uh, demons entice people to worship Satan, their leader. Satan seeks, Satan and his demons seek to bring others down with them through death-inducing practices. So, uh, Andy, if you're there, do you want to get Deuteronomy 17, 2, and 3? Yep. Okay. If there is found in your midst, in any of your towns, which the Lord your God is giving you, a man or a woman who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God by transgressing his covenant and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them or the sun or the moon or any of the heavenly host, which I have not commanded. Okay, yeah, we're in the middle of a sentence. I mean, you can go on and see that it's a detestable thing in Israel. But look at verse 3. They're serving other gods, which again, there is no... Uh, truly, there's no other God besides the one true God, but there are spiritual forces. And specifically, they're going out and worshiping the sun, moon, or any of the heavenly hosts. Now, when we talked about names for angels in the Bible, stars was one of them. And we talked about how fitting that was because stars are a direct creation of God like angels are. Uh, angels are in the host of heaven just as the stars are in the host of heaven. We saw the similarities there. And here it appears as though... Fallen angels are involved in enticing people to worship wrongly, ultimately to worship Satan. But there's more on this even in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's go now to chapter 29, look at verse 26. Deuteronomy 29, verse 26. And then uh, we'll also look at 32.17. So who can get 29.26? Okay, and then who's got 32.17? Evelyn, you got it? Okay, go ahead. Stacy, then Evelyn. They went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they have not known and whom he had not allotted to them. Okay, so gods they had not known, they sought after, small g, plural, gods. And then Deuteronomy 32, 17. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, 
new gods who came who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. All right. So now this verse is, a, is an important verse because here we have specific reference to demons tied to those lowercase g gods. They sacrificed to demons who were not God. To gods, these are the demons they have not known. And so they are heavily involved, demons are heavily involved in getting people to worship wrongly for the sake of drawing people to their leader, to Satan himself. Now Psalm 106 is really interesting because it does a lot of the work in tying this all together for us. Psalm 106, I want to look at verses 34 to 39. Uh, actually, instead of, I don't know why I said 34 to 37. 34 to 39 of Psalm 106, I think, gives us a great summary. So let's have someone read that, and then I'll pause again, and we can get caught up on what we're thinking. Psalm 106, 34 to 39. Who's got that one for us? Logan, we'll have you read that one. Go ahead. And, and, and this is talking about Israel's failure to take the promised land here at the start. So go ahead, Logan. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. Uh, 37. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. Okay, go ahead and go through 39, would you? They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. All right. So again, um, you have this direct connection to demons. Verse 37, sacrificing sons and daughters to demons. That's Their goal is to draw people into wicked practices that... The end is death of those practices. But they are clearly false gods. Okay, so we have more to look at on uh, that topic, but any thoughts on what we've seen so far with Deuteronomy and Psalm 106? Doing okay? It doesn't seem like they're going to try very hard. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, one of the things about being fallen is that, you know, you're, you're already fallen. Yeah. So... <laughs> um, yeah, we, we are easily enticed, and obviously the vast majority of the time, we don't need demons' help to sin, or to sin. I don't know why I said sin. We don't, we don't need the help of demons to sin. We, we do a pretty good job on our own, don't we? So, yeah? Well, it's the easiest way to get people to stray from God than give them a false salvation. Yeah, right. Yep. To draw them into worship, a religious practice, helping or making them think that they're okay even as they're sacrificing their own sons and daughters. How wicked is that? But they were believing because the demons were teaching them that they were appeasing God. Sad, sad stuff. Okay, well, um, let's look at a couple passages in Leviticus and one more in Deuteronomy. Who can get Leviticus 19.31? 19.31. Rex, and then James, you want to get Leviticus 20.27? 20, and then I'll go ahead and have someone get Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 11. Too. Who can get that? Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 11, Andy. Okay, so um, Rex, go ahead. Leviticus 19, 31. Do not turn to mediums or spiritualists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so here we have spirits and mediums being called evil. What, what do spiritists and mediums do? 
to the dead. Yeah, to the dead or to the supernatural spirits that are out there. And uh, why doesn't God want them to do that, you think? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, if, an, if you need to talk to an angel, he'll contact you, right? If you're going out searching for something, it's likely you're going to encounter a demon. Okay. Uh, Leviticus 20, 27, James. Okay, so here you see the death penalty for doing such a thing. If you're involved in that kind of activity, the law says you are to be put to death. And then Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 11. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell or a medium or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. Would you keep going to verse 14? For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For those na nations which you shall dispossess, listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. Okay, thank you. So, yeah, you've got casting spells, spiritism, um, divination is being used there, these different terms that are all kind of referring to the same thing. I mean, it's like the Ouija board stuff, right? Where you are going out and you're seeking a supernatural spirit to interact with. You, if you were an Israelite under the law, very clear, off limits. That's just totally off limits. It's unholy behavior. It's wicked behavior. It's worthy of the death penalty, according to God. And that's because, uh, you know, you're, you're going after demons. That's all that is. God has spoken, and what he has said is enough. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that the secret things belong to the Lord, but what he has given to us, it's for us and our children. And so if you go after that secret stuff, if you're pursuing spirits beyond the word of God, you're playing with demons. Okay? And uh, real quick, before I get to you, Anna, um, you see, too, it said specifically in this Deuteronomy 18 passage in verse, I think it was verse 11. Yeah, yeah, one who calls up the dead. Uh, remember, the Rephaim, that's a term for the dead. And so, again, it kind of comes full circle and back to we're talking about spirits and deadness and giants and bleh. Okay, Anna. Does, like, the witchcraft and divinations and all of this, does this include exorcisms being done? Well, it depends on what we mean by exorcism. So if by exorcisms we mean casting out demons, then no, because that obviously happens by the apostles. I mean, you can't just say, obviously, blanket statement, that's always evil. However, um, there are people that pursue that type of stuff. And when you pursue that type of stuff, you're seeking to engage in that kind of stuff, especially if you're not equipped, you're going to end up basically just doing witchcraft. If you're not equipped with truth, if you're not equipped with... Um, how the Bible has presented these things and how you should think through these things and how you should interact with spiritual warfare, but you're just into the creepy stuff, the Halloween movie stuff, then yeah, you're, you're going to be in witchcraft. So does the Catholic Church practice witchcraft? Well, they're not practicing uh, godliness, so um, that kind of leaves us with a few options there. Yeah. Um, what, they, what they engage in, I mean, there's a reason why mysticism... 
historically speaking, has been big within Roman Catholicism, and it's produced all kinds of nasty stuff. It's because they're doing it in a godless way. And in fact, it's really interesting. You go to uh, the New Testament where it says, when Paul says, in these latter days, there are going to be some who teach the doctrine of demons who forbid marriage. There you go. Yeah. Rex, what were you saying? I was just going to say really quick, I'm about 13 years old, I lived down in central Utah in that house in the 1800s, up in the attic, because we found a Ouija board up there. Mm. An old one. Huh. And stuff. Brought downstairs and monkeying around with it until my mother found out. And she came on court and was it trash. Mm, that's God's. I've never seen one like that. Hidden up in the attic. I don't know how long it's That's God's common grace, isn't it, that even unbelieving parents can be watching out for their children in those ways. I mean, same with me growing up. My dad wasn't a believer, but he had a, at least a, some sort of a common grace image of God gauge for don't mess with that stuff and protected me from a lot of things. You know? Other thoughts or questions on these things we're talking about? Hey. So with the old mediums and spiritist stuff, mm -hmm. is that, a lot of people go to that because they say stuff that people wouldn't know about their loved ones. Do you think the demons are using that on stuff they've learned from either watching mm -hmm. or seeing them in the spirit world? That's totally within the realm of possibility, yeah. Yep. Um, they're, not, they're never going to be omniscient. They're never going to be omnipresent. So they have these limitations, right? Uh, however, they've got the advantage of time because they never die, Jesus taught us, okay? So they've been around a long time. And so, yeah, they're crafty, for sure. Yeah. As Christians, obviously we're called to stray away from these practices. I love watching the Conjuring movies. I'm just going to say that. I love these kind of horror movies. Mm. Am I being sinful and just enjoying watching that? Even though, like, in my brain the whole time, I'm like, this is just mm -hmm, BS. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, um, this would fall into the wisdom category. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable, right? So we have to employ uh, biblical wisdom on this and say, okay, is this the best thing for me? You know, you can go through simple lists, like, does it honor God? Um, is it edifying, like, truly edifying to me? Yada, yada, yada. I mean, you got to do the same thing with watching sports or what, what you eat and what you do with your spare time, the hobbies, people you hang out with, all that stuff. Okay? Um, so it would fall into that category. And if you can, in clear conscience, check all the boxes, it's before your own master. You stand or fall. I couldn't do it, won't do it. But that's between you and the Lord, okay? All right. And it sounds like you and your dad need to talk afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, all right. Uh, Exodus 7. Let's all go to Exodus together. Second book of the Bible. So we just saw here they're false gods luring people into false worship, wicked worship practices. Exodus chapter 7. We start seeing some interesting stuff where not only are they luring people, but they're actually equipping people with power. So Exodus chapter 7, let's have someone read um, verses 20 to 22. Would someone read 20 to 22? Hayden, go ahead. So Mo Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. And he lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the water that was in the Nile was turned into blood. Then the fish that were in the Nile died, and the Nile sank, stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. And the blood was through all the land of Egypt. 
But the soothsayer, priest of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. All right. So the priests of Egypt, the soothsayers or the magicians, there are different ways our Bibles translate this, but these men who have what kind of arts? Verse 22? Secret arts. They did the same thing. That's pretty wild, isn't it? Who equipped them? Yeah, it wasn't God. Now, if you go to chapter 8, very next chapter, just a few verses later, verse 7, when we're talking about frogs come up and covering the lands of Egypt, verse 7, the magicians did the same with their secret arts, making frogs come up out of the land of Egypt. Okay, now drop down to verse 18. When it comes to gnats, the magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. <laughs> crazy. That's just crazy. You know, they, they can do it with these two, with the blood and the frogs. They couldn't do it with the gnats. But the way that they could do it in those times before was through their secret arts, which is, again, going back to the spiritism, witchcraft, demonic stuff. Okay. Yeah. Robert. Brandon. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. I didn't think it would be the 50th time I said your name. Okay, my name's Robert. <laughs> so if the, if the like, evil man and the evil spirits are able to give them powers, if you're going to them and asking them questions, would not the evil spirits be able to get in? Like when they answer questions that you only know, wouldn't they also be able to, if you're, if you're going there and entertaining that wickedness, like, mm. wouldn't, that, wouldn't it be kind of feasible to think that that's how they know so much? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, totally. When you get into that kind of witchcraft stuff, the magic stuff, you, you open yourself up. You open your life up. You inform them about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. They don't just want to hold hands. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on... <laughs> Magicians doing powerful signs through secret arts? I, I would yes, sir. say that um, because I, me and a friend of mine dabbled in this when I was fairly young. Um, I ended up burning a Ouija board in our fireplace. Um, but I think that what it, what it, my experience with people that have gotten into the occult is that they're looking for confirmation of the spiritual. Mm. That's, that's what they're looking for. Yeah. They're looking for proof that there's a spirit world that we cannot see. And they, yeah, they open themselves up to that. I mean, and it manifests in thousands of different ways. Yep. New Age, oh, yeah. Catholicism, you know, it's, it's lots Whole of religions. Whole religions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, the final note I want to make is that you see there at the bottom of your sheet, they may have geographical reign. Uh, so if you want to look at Deuteronomy 32.8 with me, this is <clears throat> the uh, maybe not the only place, but probably the, cl the clearest place where this may be implied in Scripture. Deuteronomy 32 is the Song of Moses and... In verse 8, it says, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when He separated the sons of man 
He set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. Okay, now in verse 8 there, when it says he separated the sons of man, does anyone else have a different translation there? Sons of, sons of God. Okay. Jim says sons of Adam. Anybody else? Got anything else? That's, those are the big three uh, translation results you can get. Um, Alexis, what version are you using? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, no sweat. Well, because um, I, I don't remember the different translations, the, the different way that they do that. But it's based on a dispute, basically, about what the Hebrews said. So if it said sons of God there, some people say, okay, now it's talking about angels or even demons. And he separated them according to the number of the sons of Israel, so they were given territorial responsibility or geographical responsibility, and the ones that fell now have some geographical reign that's involved, and you can go into some pretty strange places with that. Um, if you read Michael Heiser, which I would not recommend you do, but if you do, he gets pretty into that and uh, wants to make a whole worldview out of that, um, which I am not comfortable doing. So, Okay? Well, that's I wouldn't recommend reading Matt Slick on that either. Okay. Um, now, I like Matt a lot more than I, and I appreciate him a lot more than I ever appreciated Heiser's stuff. Uh, Heiser's with the Lord now and uh, has a perfect theology of it, but he can't come back and tell us now. The, the stuff he left behind, I wouldn't recommend uh, messing with. So. Okay. Well, very good. That's a lot of stuff. I'm giving you a lot every Wednesday. Um, next Wednesday will be even more as we go to the New Testament, uh, you know, as... You can imagine there's quite a bit in the New Testament explicitly talking about demons and what's going on there. So we'll need to um, jump right in next week and finish if we want to finish on time. So, okay, let's pray and then uh, we'll be dismissed.